The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Hello. Welcome to Chewing the Fat with yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Thank you so much for joining in on the fat as we uh, traverse the world of stories and news. I mean, look, I know that most of the world is captivated with the bomber or at least the suspicious package sender. Uh, The caravan coming up through Mexico trying to uh, cross our border. Uh, Megyn Kelly uh, getting fired. And the straw that broke the camel's back on Megyn is the question of blackface and whiteface. You are not allowed to question anymore. Okay? With the caravan, you must accept all immigrants into America. With the bomber, the suspicious package sender, uh, he's guilty. Even, no matter what, the guy that they arrested today, his life is over. Done. If he is actually 100% guilty, good. I'm glad his life is over. If he's not, that's tough. But, I could go on and on about those three stories and get angry and get mad. And you're going to say to yourself, but it's Friday, Jeff. And I'm like, I know, I know it's Friday. And I saw that Chris Cruz, this little social media posts on real Chris Cruz cover wants me to talk about Michael Avenetti. He's in, he's just fascinated with this guy. Now look, the guy is a douche attorney. It's what he is. It's what he does, right? He wants to be a superstar. He's not. He had the porn star Stormy Daniels in his back pocket. How'd that work out? Mm, not well. Not well at all. And now, because he put himself out in the front, in front of the media, and tried to be Mr. Big Shot, everybody's coming after him. And, you know, four point, almost $5 million judgment of unpaid debt. The court orders him to pay. They evict his law firm out of his rent. He's still, and he's still trying to cover that. Now he's got the criminal investigation because of the Brett Kavanaugh nominee case where he had Julie Swetnick uh, saying things, you know, he was, he was representing her. Hmm. new. Ooh. Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley referred to Colonel Michael Avenetti and his client, Julie Swetnick, for criminal investigation over their allegations against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Good. It's about time. We need to start making cases for people who falsely accuse other people. You don't get to, and you have, we have been letting it happen. No question. And we've been, you know, screaming it from the mountaintops. That's fine if they're guilty, but you don't. We, there's still process, due process of law, innocent until proven guilty. I know that's a foreign term. I get it. Not anymore. Accused, guilty. Period. Avenatti, in an interview uh, with Time Magazine and uh, Daily Caller. Uh, denied ever telling Time Magazine that the 2020 Democratic Party presidential candidate should be a white man. He tells him it's complete bull crap, only he didn't say crap. 
He used he used that S word. You know, the word that you use at home, but we can't say it on the radio. Bullcrap. Oh, look, what did that bull just do? He took a... Yeah, we can't say that. But you can. So you know what I'm talking about. And he just denies it outright. So what's going to happen? Is it what's true? What's not true? I don't know. We've got... We've got uh, what's his face Cook from Apple say saying that uh, that the comments from Bloomberg Business completely false. Wants that retracted that Apple is in bed with China or they had made some app for China. I I, I didn't read too much of it because it's Apple and I'm like uh, you know okay. I mean he's already out there with another interview talking about he was happy about his being gay and coming out and it was you know god's special gift to him okay tim great thank you i just read a big article on netflix culture we could i could go i could do an hour at least on that story it is amazing if you have an opportunity just look for netflix culture i may get into it next week so you don't have to because it is I don't know how you read that and think I want to work there. And I love Netflix. I love what they're doing. But it's Hastings, man. He 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 wants he's got this so-called open culture, but it really if you once you start reading the article, it's doesn't sound open. It sounds like we're open and we're open unless you say something we don't like and then you're on. Have a nice day. Paying everybody a lot of money and, you know, have a nice day. So when we stand you up in front of the our our workers at our weekly meeting and we say, you suck. <laughs> oh, we, we're open business. You suck. Here's your severance. Get out. I don't know that I like that. And I, they talk about, uh, you know, some people run businesses. They want to be open and have an open, you know, show, uh, have everything open wide open and other people want to run businesses where people they think they people perform better under fear personally i hate that being scared and that whole be thankful you have a job mentality oh my god do i hate that i I, that just drives me insane when companies believe that you be thankful you have a job no how about you be a little thankful that I'm here? I get it, but I just I just hate that living on uh, working on fear, working to be scared. I I personally don't perform well under that. I really don't. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. This is what my job. This is what I'm expected to do. Whatever business you have, I mean, you can run your own business any way you want. It's America. It's, you know, you do what you want. And what you think is best and what works best for your company. Obviously, Reed Hastings at Netflix is doing something right. It's not like they're they're crumbling at all. And Google, not crumbling. And they came out and made a big deal that they fired the 48 people and they they were sexual harassers. And we're trying to, we're this wide open company. Are you? Are you? Okay. But... We're still going to not, our full-time employees are going to be less than the people we subcontract out because we don't want to pay insurance or anything like that. And they're not going to be welcome at any of the, 
you know, the clubs and the gym when they can't play in the game room or anything because they're not full-time employees, but they do a lot of the work for us. Okay. Thanks, Google. We love you. And there, there's another company. Whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. Right? I, you know, you're not getting around that. You just aren't. So happy Friday. <laughs> and I mean it. I mean that with every ounce in me. Happy Friday. Tomorrow, we have I have a special uh, podcast for you, a special interview that is absolutely fascinating. And I, and I know, you know, you tease stuff and you say, you know, yeah, okay, it's fascinating. But it's my special Saturday podcast. And it's based on a book, uh, The End of Life as We Know It. And it's uh, about how life, our life has changed and is changing thanks to robotics, thanks to uh, artificial intelligence. And uh, I think you really need to listen to it. And uh, as a matter of fact, you need to... Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, and share. On this one, you do need to share. Today's show, you don't have to share. I don't care if you share today's show. Well, yes, I do. Yes, I do. When you rate them, just make it easy on yourself. 20 stars, okay? When you review it, make it easy on yourself. Best podcast ever. And then share it. Now, you can start by sharing to your friends and then think to yourself, hey, you know, some of my workmates would probably like to listen to this, so share it with them too. So subscribe, rate, 20 stars, review, best podcast ever, share. Friends, coworkers, guy that serves you coffee at 7-Eleven. Hey, you got an email? Yes. Juan at yahoo.com. Okay. Share it with Juan. <laughs> I'm sure. Listen, I you telling me that Juan's not going to like this show? I think not. Of course he is. Of course he, I'm here. I used to work at a convenience store for two days. And, uh, I mean, I know the struggle it is at working at a convenience store. Boy, that job. I did not like that job. I love convenience store workers. I, I like talking to them. They're part of my life. I stop in. You know, you play lotto. You get coffee. You buy whatever you're going to buy. You get gas. You know them. You know them by face. You have that camaraderie with them. But I did not like that job. Because you get people like me coming in. Yeah, I need this and this and this. And the rest on, the rest on pump five and walk out. And I'm like, uh, I don't really want to pump your money onto pump five right now. I'm a little tired. People get mad at you when you do that. <laughs> it's amazing how you expect the guy behind the counter to put in the right amount of money on pump five for you. <laughs> so we've got, uh, I got some really cool stories for you. Like, look, I know, look, you got, you got the bomber, you got the caravan, you got Megan. I got it. But is anybody telling you about job? Would you like this job? Talk about being a convenience store worker. Uh, South Carolina has been warning uh, people for at least two or three weeks now, stop flushing baby wipes down the toilet. And you think, oh, that can't mean anything. Want to bet? Charleston Water System in South Carolina uh, sent scuba divers roughly 80 to 90 feet down into the raw sewage. That's a job I do not want. I know they're wearing their scuba suits and they've got oxygen tanks on and they've got their masks on. They're all covered up. 
but uh, they're swimming down there in complete darkness. Just nastiness they're swimming in. Just nastiness. And you see from the pictures, it's just this blackened mass of gunk with uh, baby wipes. And I know that they're, they're even saying, we know that the baby wipes say they'll disintegrate, but they don't. Uh, no, they don't. They just clog the pipes. Now, they found when they brought it all up and they brought this two giant blobs of gunk from the sewage pumps. Oh, just this nastiness. They came up with baseballs and big pieces of metal, um, female ponds, string, hair, makeup pads, assorted papers, and mostly the thing that's congealing it all together, baby wipes. So they're asking people, don't be putting that down into the, into the sewage system. I would have to ask, I don't know what kind of toilet uh, people in Charleston have, but mine won't put a baseball down. So if you know the plumber and the plumbing business that will get you a toilet that a baseball can go down in, (laughs) tell them to give me a call because I want that in my home. But I do not want to be the diver's Getting up. Yep, got to go to work today. Another day at the old sewage plant. We need all the divers uh, to the dock uh, ASAP. Uh, we need to put your suits on. You're gonna, we're gonna send you down into the sewage pipes. I know it's dark. You won't be able to see, and you just have to feel around with your hands and try to dislodge some of that stuff. But it's all backed up. Ooh, I could almost puke thinking about it. I got. I don't want to talk about it anymore. All right, as we walk over to uh, the break room and uh, to get a drink from the uh, the water cooler, let me tell you about uh, Mercury Real Estate Services. Um, if you're trying to sell your house, uh, you know how difficult it is. If you've already got it up for sale and it hasn't sold and it's just sitting there, you should have went to realestateagentsitrust.com before. But there's no time like the present. realestateagentsitrust.com. Look, we've got uh, the best agents in a thousand towns all over America, and you know, let them earn their business. They they know their business. They know how to uh, they know how to present your home, uh, both online and in person, to get the most money for your home. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You can hire anyone as if you've already done it. You know, and you know how difficult it is to work with them once they've already put it on the market, and nothing happens. Oh, it's your fault. No. Realestateagentsitrust.com will help you get the most money uh, with the best price for you in mind. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And then, of course, if you're going to buy a house, why not use realestateagentsitrust.com to make that happen? So you can buy high. No, wait. I buy high and sell low. That's been the mistake I've made over years. Trust me on that. That's not what you're supposed to do, though. I've come to find that out. Weird, but you're, you're supposed to buy low, sell high. Huh. The weird thing, because for years, I thought you were supposed to buy high. And, and then 
since you just wanted to get out of it, you just sell low to get out of it. That's not what you're supposed to do. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com so you can actually sell high and buy low. Realestateagentsitrust.com. For those of you in neighborhoods you know uh, that already have homes, uh, either up for sale or you're happy with the house that you have, uh, you know that uh, from time to time uh, there are animals in your neighborhood that just drive you crazy, right? And they're just insane. And uh, you just want to get rid of them. Like we, my daughter was uh, growing uh, cantaloupes, and they were really good too. By the way, a tremendous cantaloupes, a sweet, so ripe. And uh, as uh, squirrels found out, uh, some kind of animal, we came out, and there's a cantaloupe rolling around the backyard, all gnawed up. What? Uh, not again. I put in a new fence, and I put up a shotgun trap. So if it came back, goodbye. I was waiting for it. You know, at three o'clock in the morning. Boom! Shotgun going off. Goodbye, skunk. But no, it never happened. And no, I didn't set it up. It was just a joke. Stop it. But there's a neighborhood right now uh, that has, uh, they're putting out jack-o'-lanterns. It's Halloween, right? It's Halloween. And people, kids want to cut their, cut their jack-o'-lanterns up and make their silly faces and put them out and you put the little candle in it and you turn it on at night and it looks great. And then, if you're in Florida, it's already rotted. But if you're in other places around the country, it's cooled down a little bit. So, you know, it stays it stays good for a little while. Well, there's a squirrel that uh, has been gnawing out all these jack-o'-lanterns, just eating the faces off of them, eating the pumpkins off of them. And they don't know what to do. There's a picture of the squirrel. They don't know how to do it. A, uh, don't leave your jack-o'-lanterns out. Uh, B, how about you just get rid of the squirrel? Just trap him. Now, you could. They, the picture of the squirrel they showed in the story looked like the squirrel's been gnawing on some serious pumpkins. Okay, He's been doing some serious eating, getting caught up. He's just, I mean, he's tearing the neighborhood up with pumpkin. There's nothing like a 22 shell that puts that squirrel down. I know you can't kill the squirrel. I got it. It's just a joke. Relax. But really, what do you do? It's because squirrels don't have anything to do but try and get where you want them to get or where you don't want them to get uh we've seen you see videos all the time of squirrels getting into bird feeders and everything and they they don't have anything else to do but try to get where you don't want them to go so we've had people you know put lube on a pole so you see the squirrel start climbing up and then slide down well, the squirrel will do that a hundred times till the lube's gone. Then up, up into the bird feeder he goes. He jumps from limb to limb. I mean, squirrels are notorious. That's all they do. When they want something, they continue to do it. So I don't know how you get rid of them. I mean, there's plenty of jokes, and, and I gave you a couple. But, I mean, I don't know what you do to get rid of them, except, I don't know, don't put the jack-o'-lantern outside. Good luck to that neighborhood. Because soon... The squirrel's going to be mad because there's no more jack-o'-lanterns, and then you're going to have a pissed-off squirrel, and then you're going to be, tell me how that works out. I mean, you'll be sitting there at night, you're going to be, I don't see anybody, there's no shadow at the door. There's, there's nobody out there. Who is knocking on the door? There's no shadow. Is somebody running up and running away? And you're going to open up that door, and that squirrel's going to be sitting there on the front porch looking at you like, uh... Somebody better put a freaking jack-o'-lantern out here or I'm going to attack. Okay? So, good luck.
Good luck to that neighborhood. Now, yesterday, if you follow me on Twitter, at JeffyMRA, Facebook, Instagram, at Jeff Fisher Radio, but Twitter, JeffyMRA, uh, Leon Wolf uh, asked a question on Twitter, our managing uh, editor here at The Blaze, uh, trying to uh, pick a fight. He wanted to pick a fight with me, and I, you know, I'm willing to fight with him, although, uh, where is he? Oh, he's not here. Um, so he, apparently he didn't want to fight. All I'm saying, he's not here. Uh, he was asking, saying that, uh, asking if Reese's peanut butter cups were a candy bar. Well, of course they are, duh. They're just chocolate in a, and peanut butter in a cup bar shape. <laughs> now, I know what he was talking about. They did this study, uh, and I call it a study. They, they took 8,371 different IP addresses and voted on 269,000 randomly generated matchups of candy. Uh, now, they claim it's not scientific. It sounds just as scientific as a lot of other studies we see. I'll tell you that. Now, they had all these people test the candies. And, uh, you know, I can tell you all the, the matrix that they went through and all the metrics that they went through. And it's just, it's, okay, thank you. Appreciate it. But they, uh, they came up with the list and ranked the top contenders for the best candy bars, candy for Halloween. All right. So. And what Leon was talking about is he wants to argue that number one on the list, coming in at 84.2%, was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And obviously, he doesn't think that's a candy bar, and he wants to fight over it. Let it go. Let it go, man. Just have the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup and call it whatever you want to call it. Reese's Miniatures are number two. So Reese's Big Hits. Uh, Reese's peanut butter. Oh, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. Oh, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Old Reese's commercial from a thousand years ago. Uh, And the Reese's miniatures. I'm not big on Reese's miniatures. I'd rather have the Skittles. We'll see where they come in on the list. But uh, the top 10, all right, number 10, Butterfinger. I like those as long as they're fresh and not uh, crumbly, not extra crumbly. If If they've been battled around in shipping and stuff and sat on the shelf for a while, they get the whole thing gets crumbly and they're tough to eat. And then uh, number nine, peanut butter M&M's. Not a big fan. Not a fan. Reese's Stuffed Pieces, more. More of the Reese's. Number seven, Milky Way. Love it. Number six, Reese's Pieces again. Not the stuff, but Reese's Pieces. Number six, Reese's, man. They must, I bet you they funded this study. Now that I look at this, this can't be. Number five, Snickers. Number four, Kit Kat. Number three, Twix. Number two, Reese's Miniatures. And number one, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. So in the top ten, Reese's Stuffed Pieces, Reese's Pieces, Reese's Miniatures, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I, I guarantee you they funded this study. That's embarrassing. And the Peanut Butter M&M's in there as well. No. No. I will not have it. The top, uh, where, where's my Skittles? Where are they at? Where, where's my Skittles? Skittles. Skittles Wild Berry. Comes in at 31st. Where's the regular Skittles? Skittles original, 19. And then top 20. Maybe. Maybe I settle for that. 100 grand at number 14. 100 grand is better than 14th. 100 grand needs to take take up one of the Reese's places. That's like number, that's eighth, right? Reese's stuffed pieces needs to go away for, uh, for 100 grand. 
Skittles Originals got to move up. They got to be at, the, at least at least the top ten. Crackle? No, that's Kit Kat. Stop it. You get the crackle when you don't have a Kit Kat. Where? What do we else we got here? Number forty. Tootsie Roll snack bars. Okay. Sour Patches are making a big Swedish fish. Nobody gets sweet. The people who give out Swedish fish on Halloween get toilet papered when the kids go back by. What did that house give? Swedish fish, toilet paper. Pop Rocks? No, that's got to be extra stuff. Laffy Taffy? Laffy Taffy gets toilet papered too. Nobody gives that out. Remember that. Payday? Ooh, I used to love payday bars. Payday bars are pretty good. They don't have the chocolate, but they do have the caramel. Pretty good. They, they deserve better than 47th. Wow. Mike and Ike's, 46th. Mike and Ike's, I used to be hooked on those until I got hooked on Skittles. Is it a surprise that I made 150 pounds? Uh, War has a Smarties. Candy corn at 67th. Is candy, I mean, okay. Root beer barrels. Ooh, I haven't had those in a long time. Root beer barrels. Sugar babies. Oh, man. I don't think there's any on this list that I haven't had. I know it's a surprise. I know that probably comes in. Oh, Charleston Chew. You know what Charleston Chews are good? You put those in the freezer, and then you just, oh, they get really hard. Their chew is so good. Tootsie Rolls, Dots, Harbo Snakes, Airheads. Okay, so this list is sponsored by species. But they have come to the conclusion, which actually I do agree with, the best Franken candy. All right, this is the best candy you can get. That's what you need to buy. And make it yourself, because I will be doing this at the Fisher household. All right? Chocolate of a Hershey bar. Nugget of a Baby Ruth. Caramel of the Milky Way. Peanut butter of the Reese's Cup. And a wafer from a Twix. Oh, you put all those together? That, my friends, is a candy bar. Right? Right. Now, I know we're on Halloween. And, I, you know, we're talking about Halloween candy. And this is the weekend for you to get it, no question, because, uh, you know, Halloween is next week. And we've got some great Halloween stories for you. I've got a couple of Halloween stories for you. So, uh, you know, you can look forward to that. I didn't want to do it this weekend. I've got a couple things coming up. We've got uh, – but I want to let – this weekend's the weekend to do it because otherwise you're going to be searching around. The shelves are going to be empty. It's really – you end up – You end. Up, this is what you end up doing if you don't get it this weekend. You end up going to your big – your big box store, Sam's or Costco's, they're out of the of the of the Halloween bags. So then you say, oh, "I'm going to go to Target." You go to Target, and the Target, the shelves, their Halloween section is almost completely empty. But what's left is on sale. So the people that are there are just put shoveling what's left of the bags into their carts because it's all fifty percent off. But it's not the good kind, and it's the smaller bags. Not that I've ever lived through that, <clears throat> and ever done that. Because we didn't get the Halloween candy on the weekend before Halloween. Yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, since we're on Halloween, I had a chance to talk to Adam Gidwitz, who is uh, launching a new podcast uh, for kids called uh, Grim, Grimmer, and Grimmest. That's a funny spooky it's from the grim fairy tales my kids have been listening to it already it's they're putting up uh, a one a day until halloween one new one so this weekend you can go and uh you know you can go and uh, uh just uh, stream the back ones 
you can kind of uh, just sit around and listen to that with your kids, or you can just you know put the headphones on your kids and tell them to sit there and listen. But it's been they're really good, and I had a chance to uh, talk to uh, Adam uh, a little bit earlier this week about the podcast and about what's coming up and how he's doing it and how it's produced is is really kind of cool. So Adam Gibbons uh, joins us here on Chewing the Fat, and he is, uh, you know, a Newberry Honor book of the Inquisitor's Tale. He's got uh, uh, honors for that. He's acclaimed for the best-selling series, A Tale Dark and Grim, and he was a teacher in Brooklyn for eight years, which means he did everything he possibly could do to get out of that job which is why he started writing and coming up with uh, uh, the Unicorn Rescue Society, which is his latest book. But I'm more fascinated with his uh, endeavor in the podcast world uh, for kids called Grim Grimmer and Grimmest. And uh, I was listening to uh, a little bit uh, of uh, an episode just before we uh, just before we uh, joined you, uh, episode number two. Two, right? Number one? Number one. And uh, I was fascinated how you uh, go to the kids and have them uh, be a part of the be a part of the podcast. What gave you that idea? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, thanks for having me on. That came directly out of my experience of teaching those kids um, in Brooklyn. You know, when I was a teacher, when I started, I got to admit, I was not a very good teacher. Teaching <laughs> is a hard job. I don't care what anyone says about it. It is one of the toughest jobs you can do. And I was terrible at it because the first thing that you have to do as a teacher before you can teach the children anything is get the children to shut their mouths for like one second. And I just couldn't do it. I had these kids who were hitting each other with blocks and dancing on the table. I had one student who used to like to take cotton balls and glue them to his face and sing Christmas carols for first graders. And so I, you know, I could not control the children. And one day I just kind of gave up and I went and sat in the middle of the rug and in every classroom, there's always like, Four nice kids. Any teacher will tell you this. Four nice kids who will help the teacher out no matter how badly things are going. So the four nice kids came up and sat next to me. And I said, you know what? Forget the rest of these kids. I'm just going to tell you guys a story. And I said, once upon a time. And as soon as I said that, the strangest thing happened. Um, All the kids kind of just stopped. Except for the kid who was gluing stuff to his face. He continued (laughs) gluing stuff to his face. And as I told the story, they very slowly, they came closer and closer. And they sat down around me. And I realized that the one way I had of getting kids to shut their mouths and to listen to me was to tell them stories. So I started telling stories and I, I, next year I quit my job to try to write books. And, um, eventually, uh, as a, as a writer, I now travel around to schools, um, book festivals around the country, around the world. And I tell stories to kids. And my favorite part is the interaction between me and my listeners. Um, and so I wanted to try to bring that experience to a wider audience by recording this podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest. Well, if you have an opportunity to hear it uh, and listen to them, uh, you should absolutely do it. Uh, it's uh, up, uh, you joined with uh, Pinna uh, to uh, create this and uh, bring it yep. to your audiences. And uh, you can find out more, I'm guessing, at adamgidwitz.com. Uh, but uh, I really found it yeah, fascinating. And you, can, you can download the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you just search the word Grimmest, G-R-I-M-M-E-S-T, it'll come right up um, and download it. New episode going to drop every day through Halloween. Nice. And uh, one of the things, do you actually go to the classroom and uh, record these kids? You bring them in, you ship them in, do you bust them into the studio? Are you, are, are you just lying to us? No, we do it. We do it in the wild. We go <laughs> to the school. Um, I walk into a library or a classroom. We sit down 
and I say, okay, kids, I'm going to tell you a grim fairy tale. Now, most people think that the fairy tales are like the cute and sweet stories that we're used to. Yeah, no, they are not. But the real grim fairy tales are not like that. No, right? they, they are not. Scary, I mean, I have, they can be creepy. They're weird. I have uh, I have some uh, grim uh, fairy tales uh, at the house. In fact, I brought one of my uh, favorite copies in that has the little grim fairy tale pop up book that I bought for my kids a long time ago. And that's uh-huh. that's one of the first ones that I realized. Ooh, you know uh, that Rapunzel uh, animated movie is a lot different than the Rapunzel in the book. Exactly. And so, you know, I discovered that. It's funny. I discovered it through one of my old Grimm books, which I had never read. I was, so this was after I had quit my job as a teacher, but I needed to make some money, so I was substituting. And the, the school called me up, and they said, would you be willing to be a substitute librarian for a day? I said, sure. They said, you're going to be reading stories to second graders. I said, no problem. They said, read them any story you want. I said, great. Oh, nice. So I went home, and I take my book, yeah, of Grimm's fairy tales off the shelf, and I've never read it. So I look at it, and I think, oh, fairy tales. Those are perfect for little kids. Right. So what could, what could go so wrong? I open it up what to a story called. Go wrong? Exactly. Exactly. So I open it up to a story called Faithful Johannes. And in this story, I'm going to warn your listeners this gets disgusting and upsetting, and I apologize. They're used to listening to me. Two You're fine, Adam. Get... <laughs> All right, then. These two kids get their heads cut off, they get put back on again. They're fine. But I read that, and I thought, huh. Can I read this to second graders? Will I get fired? And then I thought, let's find out. I'm a substitute. Give so me a break. And I started. Exactly. What could they do? So I read the book to the kids, the story to these children. And yes, some of them are terrified. But a few of them come up to me afterwards. And I'll never forget it. This one girl sticks her finger in my face and she goes, that was good. And I said, what? And she said, you should make that into a book. And so I went home and I wrote down that story. And I had been making jokes and comments to the kids as I went to try to keep them from, you know, peeing in their pants. Right, right, right. right. And I wrote all that stuff down and put it into the book. And I sent that to an agent and she called me up and she said, this is pretty good. And that is actually the first chapter of my first book, A Tale Dark and Grim, is pretty much a verbatim, the story I told to those kids in that classroom. So I discovered the fairy tales kind of like you did by handing them to children (laughs) and suddenly realizing – Oh, oh, wait, please. these are not what I thought they were. <laughs> one yeah, of my, exactly. One of my favorite parts uh, in uh, the cast that I was listening to, in, and I'm sure it happens uh, you know, throughout the rest of the series, is uh, when you uh, talk to the children about what do they think is going to be the outcome. And they give answers, yeah. and, and and then you obviously, I don't know either. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know what happens. And the kids are okay with it. <laughs> exactly. The kids are, oh, great, then my idea could work. I, I love that. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. just and, perfect. And, you know, fairy tales have like the weirdest, most twisted logic. You know, you never know what to expect with a fairy tale. So in one of the stories, a princess gets given um, a water wheel, knitting needles, and a walnut and needs to go find a prince using those three items. And the kids are like, how is she going to use them? And I'm like, I have I no clue. Know. And the kids have great guesses. Some of them turn out to be right. Right. There uh, much you go. better than my guesses would have been. Right. So, that's so good. Yeah. It's very fascinating. How long are you, uh, as someone who, uh, you know, puts together a, a daily podcast and uh, and knows the difficulties and the, the trials of uh, more work than what people think it is, when you, uh, how yeah. long are you recording these in the schools and then going back to do the production work? Um, you know, it's got to be uh, a little bit of time. It's a long process. Yeah. 
Uh, have you got a have you, you got a huge yeah, team or are you doing it all yourself? Right. You got a huge team or are you doing it all yourself? No, um, I have. It's me, um, and I, I made it with myself and uh, the producer here at Pinna, and now we have a team who's helping to to get it out to the world. But right. it was the two of us, um, and then a couple sound engineers who created it. And the process was: I choose a story, I write it out so that it'll be fun to tell to the kids. We go in there, the producer, the sound engineer, and myself. We set up the mics. We record me telling it to the kids. Then we would go back, and I would listen to the recording, yeah. and then I re-script it because, as you know, you've listened to it. There are actors and a soundscape. Yeah. So then what we do is it's the really actors good. come in, they read it, the soundscape gets laid on top, and then the children get put back in, their laughter, their comments, their jokes, so along good. with my commentary in the classroom. So it all gets layered uh, together. So, yeah, it's, as you imagine, there's 10 episodes in the first season – there will be another ten episodes the next season. Oh wow! It has been a, a lot more work than I expected. Are you? Yeah. Are they? Uh, are most schools welcoming to you? I mean, we hear so so uh, so many uh, bad stories about uh, schools these days. Are are you? Uh, uh, yeah, with the politically correct uh, world in schools, are are you having any problems getting in the door? You know, there have been um, schools in my travels where they are worried about things that are scary or or bloody for kids. The thing is, once you get in there. Um, the children and the teachers um, really embrace good storytelling and they embrace great old stories. So sometimes um, administrators get scared. They get scared of pushback from parents. Um, but once you're in the classroom, once you're in there with the teachers and the kids, um, usually we're all laughing and having a good time. I have to say that story I told you about the kid gluing stuff to his face. When I tell that in front of a group of children and teachers it's usually the teachers who are laughing harder than the kids because right. they know it's the truth well and the kids so, um, and, and once, kid, once we're in the schools we have a pretty good time right and the kids also know that uh they all they all know the kid that glues the uh glues the cotton balls on his face there's <laughs> yeah, always that fact, kid i have had kids pointing at a kid being right like, that's exactly. that guy exactly uh, everybody that has that kid uh, that's uh that's really nice of you to say adam i really appreciate it <laughs> yes, but that's not the point. Uh, AdamGidwitz.com. Hey, listen, I really pre- it's been great, and I know that uh, I know you're hard at work and you're creating these. Uh, any way that we can help uh, here at Chewing the Fat uh, and the Blaze Network, I, I'm happy to do it. Um, I really been- appreciate it. If your listeners go to Apple Podcasts, download Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, um, I would appreciate it so much. Um, thank you very much, Adam. And I know, look, I realize that people are having a, you know, it's a podcast world now, but it really, what is going to bring podcasts to the next level is the storytelling. And, uh, you are, you know, obviously on the cutting edge of that. And I really appreciate you joining us today. AdamGidwitz.com. Uh, Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Jeffy. Appreciate it. <laughs>